Hey, Gut Plus Science, it's Nikki back with a healthcare-focused episode for you with my friend, Michelle Mahaffey, Chief Human Resources Officer for Community Health Network. Michelle has a colorful background and journey to her role in HR and in healthcare. I love unique perspective and loaded conversations, and you're about to get both. All right. So Michelle, this is a healthcare focused subseries on Gut Plus Science, and it's going to be so fascinating to hear about your background, not in healthcare. And as the timing so has it, you came into the healthcare industry just as the pandemic began as a CHRO. So there's probably a lot there. Tell us about your background and your journey over the past year. So joined healthcare in May of 2020. So, I mean, wow, just a little bit crazy at that time. It was crazy for everybody, everybody, every individual, every family, every industry, they were just going through things that they never expected to go through. And in May, the healthcare industry was in the thick of it. So to come on in a new leadership role in the healthcare organization was definitely, it was a new experience for me, big, big time learning. But prior to that, so you asked about my background. So I've been in human resources for about 25 years in multiple industries. I've been in high tech, I've been in manufacturing, I've been in commercial real estate, and then several others uh, earlier in my career, but working in the healthcare industry had not been on my resume yet. So a little bit more about my background, how I got into HR. I am a lawyer. I'm not licensed in my state. I don't practice. So just for the record, I'm not practicing, but I did get my law degree. And when I was in law school, I fell in love with the tax laws and the employment laws. And I just, I was fascinated by it. And so I said, you know, I kind of want to be in HR, but I want to be a business person. So after law school, I got my MBA, I focused on HR and finance. And right after that, I just dove headfirst into HR. And my career path has been everything from leading HR communications to health benefits, to retirement benefits, to compensation. I focused on US, I focused on international employee wellness, executive compensation, leadership development. And I just love it. I love what I do. So transitioning into healthcare in May of 2020 was uh, very exciting for me. It was an opportunity for me to bring my background, but to come in and learn. And I am only just at the beginning, in all honesty. I mean, I've been in the organization and the industry for only 10 months now, and I am definitely still learning. But yeah, coming in and being able to help out in pretty much a crisis situation was very exciting. I was so excited to have you on the show because of the dynamics when you came into healthcare and your extensive background, but it's almost like just the uniqueness of how you got started in your career brings such a different angle to the HR practice, you know, and I think that might be another show. So I'm really glad that you're here today. And I'd love to go down the path of this show really works to equip leaders with needle mover ideas and tactics and strategies and things to build a more highly engaged workforce and that culture that they're striving for. And so when you think of the key priority on your mind and in your efforts right now to keep employees healthy and engaged at community, what does that look like for you? Well, Nikki, it's hard to focus in on one priority. You know, the uniqueness of our time right now, you really kind of have to separate out healthy and engaged at first and then bring them back together. You know, when we think about being healthy, each one of us is an individual and we're responsible for our own health. 
But as employers, we do have a role and we can't make our employees take care of themselves. But what we can do is we can reassure them that we support them in taking care of themselves. We can provide resources and programs. We can support them in utilizing those resources and programs. And that is huge as an employer. Most employers have an EAP program. They have time off programs. They have wellness programs. And it's our role as leaders and managers to, to follow through and supporting everyone and using those resources. Also, it's not just saying to someone, take care of yourself. That's not enough. We as leaders and managers, we have to model the behavior. We have to make it okay, not just okay, but actually something that we're proud of them for. So model behavior by taking time off. And I mean, actually take time off, you know, like don't jump on every single conference call or team call while you're on vacation because your employees expect that that's what they're supposed to do when they see you do that. So modeling the behavior and engage in healthy activities outside of work and then share it with your team, you know, make it exciting. We've got Slack and and Teams pages now. And, you know, it's okay. I think in my culture it is. And I know a lot of other companies, it's absolutely okay. Create a, a string, a thread of, hey, what's something healthy you did this weekend? Or, hey, let's post a picture of us going out for a walk after work or, you know, whatever it is, make it fun, make it something that people are excited about joining in. On the more technical side, Nikki, I would say this is, and and I don't know if many people think about this, but not just healthcare industry, a lot of organizations have been through a lot in the past several years. We've been trying to do a lot more with a lot less. And as we're coming out of the pandemic and we are looking at making sure people have what they need to take care of themselves, this is actually a really great opportunity for us to look at the jobs that our employees are in. Are we asking them to stretch themselves too thin? You know, when we did, when we moved towards doing more with less, a lot of times people just did more. You know, is it time for us to take another look and say, are the job scopes reasonable? So that's another thing that I think is important. And then you mentioned engagement. Big thing on engagement, actually two big things. One is communication. I'm sorry, we have got to communicate with people. And it's not just sending an email. It's not just sending a video. It's not just posting on a website. It's not just having a one-on-one communication. It's all of those things in the way that makes sense for your workforce and your employees, because we've got to make sure that they know uh, what's going on and that we care about them and they hear the message. And then I think a, a big one for me is also making sure that employees understand the mission of the organization and that they feel, they understand, and they see the connection between what they do every day in their jobs and that it has an impact on the organization's mission. So I know that was a lot when you said one priority, (laughs) but I have a hard time thinking about one priority when we think about the responsibilities we have to our employees. So Michelle, yes, that was fully loaded. So many things that you just shared there. And I know when we prepped for this conversation, you talked about the power of, or just the importance of getting back to the basics. And I love this profound comment that you made when we first started talking today about separating out healthy from engaged or healthy from engagement when equipping people. And so let's go down the path and share with us, you know, whether it's happening right now has happened since May, or just something that you'd like to share about how do we equip employees to live healthy lives? 
when I say something like getting back to basics, I'm afraid it comes across like it's a no brainer, but it's not always a no brainer. You know, we've all been through a year that none of us expected. And uh, a lot of us are saying, when are we going to get back to normal? And I'm encouraging everybody to say, let's not go back. Let's take what we've learned and go forward. And one of the things we have learned this year, amongst many other things, is about our health and how important our health is and how fragile our health is and how it is a constant thread that runs through our professional lives and our personal lives. So what can we do as employers is make sure that we do rely on the programs that we provide. And again, like I said before, let's model the behavior. We have got to model that behavior. As we're doing that, assume that everybody is doing their best, right? Now, again, so basics. What are some of the basics? When we think about being an employer, being a manager, being a leader, and you have employees who are working hard every single day, right? Well, one of the things we have to do is we have to make sure we go back and we have to look and say, okay, what were we doing in the past with regard to performance goals? Those are still important. Are we still doing that? A lot of organizations took a break on performance goals during COVID because it was just such a unique time that the original performance goals kind of flew out the window. Okay, so let's go back to that. Let's look at our performance goals, but let's incorporate what we've learned, right? Maybe that means we're giving people a little bit more grace. Maybe we are looking at how the work is done as well as what is being done. So I'm really encouraging people, don't get lazy about setting performance goals and then conducting performance reviews. Every organization is different. Some people do more frequent performance reviews. Some people have actually stopped doing performance reviews. But what really matters is having the real-time discussions, having real-time feedback, And again, these are basics, right? But they are so vital to an employee's success in their role. So if I am an employee and I'm going along and I think I'm doing a great job and my my manager's not talking to me about it, I'm going to assume I'm doing a great job. However, if my manager says, you know what, Michelle, you just did really well on that. Here's something, though, that I think we can do a little bit differently. You know what? That's actually going to make me more energized because I'm going to know how to succeed. So getting back to the basics, and I know we we're talking about health, but these are also the basics of having a job and being successful in your job. And that is directly related to our emotional and our physical health. So I'm going to come back to one thing I said earlier, again, as a manager, as you're looking at performance, you're giving feedback, you're engaging your employees at the work level, make sure you have those conversations alongside those performance conversations about their health? Are they getting what they need from their employer to support their health and the health of their families? It doesn't mean you have to go implement new programs. Chances are you've got the right programs in place. Just make sure you're empowering them to use the programs. Take time off. We have got to take time off. So good. And, you know, very timely. I like to read the latest Gallup reports that come out. And I just spent some time this morning reading one about the two youngest generations in the workforce. Number one priority is does my organization support my well-being as number one? Uh, in the two youngest generations in the workforce, which are taking over very quickly, right? So it's just so timely to go back to those basics that are profoundly needed now, says Gallup today. 
I think that's that's great. So some of the things that you shared about getting back to the basics about leaders modeling behavior, a taking time off, really taking time off, and then sharing what you're doing to inspire others to maybe do those types of things or show the human side of what you do outside of work. I think that that's great. And then the mindset of assuming that everyone is doing their best. All of us can get better at that. We all have someone that we're, you know, doubting or whatever, right? We can all get better at that. And taking that mindset is just, yeah, super powerful. So thank you so much for sharing that. Let's talk about, you talked in the beginning, reevaluating job scopes, especially as the world has changed. So you want to go a little deeper on just some basic equipping us with ideas around that? I think that's a, it's a a huge issue, not an issue so much as just a a topic for our managers and our HR leaders to be thoughtful about. We should reevaluate jobs periodically anyway, but coming out of a pandemic is actually a really good time to do a sanity check on what is it that we are asking our employees to do? Are the jobs scoped appropriately, both from a responsibility perspective from a time perspective, like, for example, have we asked people to do what used to be 40 hours of work? Have we asked them to do that in, oh, I don't know, 30 hours so they can do something else for 10 more hours? And that that happens over time. It happens when we go through cost-cutting measures. We ha- It happens naturally as people get better with their jobs too. But are we doing that appropriately? Are we repricing our jobs appropriately? You know, of course, compensation is always important. It's part of the satisfaction we get from our jobs is getting compensated, right? It's the deal that we have with our employers. So making sure that we are paying people appropriately, that we're asking them to do the right amount of work. So I think that that, that's just a really, it's an important practice. It's something that we don't always think of unless we have it on the schedule. If we have a schedule to do that, that's great. I just am recommending employers take a look at that schedule, make sure that some of their critical skill sets are not too far out on the horizon for that that reevaluation. I've been seeing a lot of surveys lately about employees jumping jobs, especially in healthcare. And it's it's scary. People are tired and What's going to happen and what is happening is people are saying, you know what, not only do I not want to do what I'm doing now and where I'm doing it, I'm thinking I don't want to do healthcare at all anymore. And it's not because healthcare is bad, it's because they're tired. They're tired. So the most we can do as employers to make sure employees know that we are thoughtful about the effort that they put in, the value they contribute, and that we're appreciative of that the better. And we owe it to to everybody anyway. Uh, but now's a really good time to say, hey, you know what? We're looking at your job. Your job is a hard job. Let's figure out because we know you want to do good work and you are doing good work. Let's figure out how we can make sure it's as enjoyable as possible. The trajectory of the healthcare industry and the staffing of it is such a big issue for so many right now. And what's keeping a lot of leaders up at night for sure. And I think more of a reason than any to say it's a must to do these things that you're talking about. And that leads right into really my favorite area of this conversation, which is around engagement. And I'm going to start with the second thing you shared, which is around um, understanding the mission and feeling the connection to the work you're doing back to the mission of the organization and the work, right? That is just so core and 
Simon Sinek has been quoted a bazillion times now with like, go to the core, get to the why. But I want you to elaborate because I think that this is something that we all just need always a refresher on. Talk about how do we do that well? Getting the the mission understood really in living that out in the work that we do every day and feeling connected. It's huge. It's huge. You know, Nikki, one of my favorite engagement survey questions that I've seen throughout my career is, do you feel that your work and your efforts directly affect the success of the organization? That's a great question, right? Because, for example, the mission of Community Health Network, the first part of our values is patients first. So patients first. We have other elements of our of our values as well. But we know we put our patients first. What does that mean? What does that mean? So if I'm a nurse, do I feel that uh, what I do every day reinforces that value for my employer? I sure hope so. And I hope we're equipping you as a nurse to be able to do that. Now let's take an environmental services person. Okay, the environmental services person, uh, we could not operate without our environmental services staff. Do they feel like they're having an impact on that? I hope so. And again, these are the questions that we as leaders and managers need to ask ourselves. You go throughout the organization. Let's take someone who is in finance. Does the finance person go into the healthcare facility and see the patient? Probably not very often, but do they understand and see the powerful impact that the work they do every day? has on the mission of our organization. And if you ever start to feel like there's a disconnect with that, we need to get back to figuring out what that connection is and have managers and leaders reinforce that. So I'll take HR, right? You know, I'm in HR and I am energized every single morning. And the reason I'm energized every single morning is because I know that our HR organization is supporting 16,000 employees who are only working every day to make sure our patients come first. And that energizes me. I know we cannot put our patients first unless my team puts our employees first. And so there's my connection every day, right? But I do a sanity check on that. And then I have to then think about all my employees. How are they doing that? What are they thinking every day when they wake up and they head into the healthcare facility or the office or in nowadays to their kitchen table, if they're working remotely, what is it that is getting them energized that making them excited about opening the laptop or putting on their coat or putting on their badge? So anyway, that's, that's really what that is about for me. And it's, it's very, very powerful. And when you get to it, it's what keeps people either in a particular organization, in a particular job or in a particular industry. Is it okay on a business podcast to say, preach girl, preach it. (laughs) So spot on. So spot on. I love it. So thank you. And it's so important. And for the people that get to wake up every day, feeling excited to go to work, unfortunately it is the minority and it's such a blessing and everyone deserves it. And we need to fight for that. Like as leaders, we spend so many hours working and to, and, and really the glue is helping them align the work that they do every day to the mission 
of the business, you know, to bring that alive. So I actually had chills when you were describing how you feel and just the 16,000 employees that, you know, you have responsibility for, you know, building this platform for. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a really special thing. So Michelle, this time is flying by. I want to get to the communication piece because this year has been crucial for communication as everyone knows. Give an example or two about since May, what have you all done? What's your team done? What are you proud of when you've seen communication just in how you're doing it shift? Well, given that I started in May, I never, for the communications that were done at Community Health Network before the pandemic, I didn't have real-time experience with that. But I will tell you how impressed I was when I came on board and I saw all the different communication efforts that community had going out. And the key is that they were coming out regularly and frequently. Our CEO, Brian Mills, during the pandemic, did videos every week or so during the pandemic on making sure that our employees were up to speed. They knew what was going on. Because again, like we were just talking about, we can do our jobs. We can feel good about doing our jobs. We can feel that our jobs are impacting the bottom line. But you know what? Sometimes it's good to know what else is going on around the network. How is this affecting everybody else? And that's what community did really, really well. Uh, The videos seem to have a really positive impact on our workforce. However, we didn't just do videos. Community has a very robust electronic communication platform, and it's continuing to improve all the time, which is just outstanding. But we're also very thoughtful about all the different ways that people prefer to be communicated with. Okay. So not everybody is going to read an email. Not everybody's going to watch a video. Not everybody's going to read an electronic newsletter. So as I've come on board, you know, I've tried to ask around, how do you prefer to be communicated with? And honestly, I've had to balance that with how I like to communicate. And Nikki, I joined in an HR role in a pandemic. I have not yet really even worked in my office yet. So I have gotten to know my team and my colleagues through Zoom boxes. And my style that I do prefer, and I I do hope to get back to it someday, but I'm open to adapting. My style is to walk around. Like I like to walk around and pop my head in someone's office and say, how was your weekend? And, you know, that's a little weird when you do that by Zoom. (laughs) You're going to pop on someone's screen and say, how was your weekend? So, you know, all the different styles of communication and all the different purposes that they that they achieve or pursue, we just have to be thoughtful about what works for people and be open to doing it in new ways. One thing I will say that we have done, and I know others have done it as well, is we have in my department, uh, we've done uh, several uh, happy hours by Zoom. And those have gone well. Now, not everybody wants to do that and that's fine, but kind of coming back to this whole personal and professional, if you think about it, when we're in an office or when we're in a healthcare facility with our coworkers, we, we chat, we chat and we do get some satisfaction out of that. So finding a way for the casual communications as well as the informative communications is critical. So good. This has been absolutely loaded and it goes so fast. Like I said, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor message today. And then we come back to what we call our lightning round, which we do on every episode where we get to learn just a little bit more about you. So we'll be right back. Attention healthcare leaders. Have you heard of Wambi, our show sponsor? 
Wambi's holistic real-time recognition and culture transformation solution improves the healthcare experience for patients and staff through the power of gratitude. Its gamified technology delivers real-time feedback from patients and other team members that recognizes, rewards, and motivates optimal care. To learn how Wambi can be an early indicator for predictive changes in HCAPs, check out their recent success story with Upper Chesapeake Health, their case study just released, and it's in the show notes. All right, I'm back with Michelle Mahaffey talking about getting back to the basics, but the basics actually are a lot of layers. You know, we covered a lot of ground today. Um, And so really excited about what we shared. And we're going to be summarizing things in our show notes because there's lots of action items to take from the conversation. But we're going to wrap up with our lightning round. So Michelle, a couple questions. It's always hard to be put on the spot and just give one answer. But what is your favorite book of all time? Or if that's too hard, a favorite recent read? My favorite book of all time is Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. And it's because it's, I I love historical fiction and it's just a great escape. It's a long book, but I highly recommend it. How about a favorite hobby when you're not working? I am one of those people that got a new puppy during the pandemic. And so I am currently a new mom to a 15 week old puppy. So I have a new hobby and that is my baby girl. Her name is Rosie. And so I am doing all I can to train her and play with her and walk with her. So that's really my my new favorite hobby. How about a favorite vacation spot? Well, I am very fortunate to have a spot up in northern Ontario, Canada, uh, that is pretty remote and it's on a lake and it's so peaceful. And I try to go up there every year. Now with the pandemic, the border's been closed, so that's been a little bit challenging. But Absolutely, hands down, my favorite place to go. I try to go for at least two weeks a year, sleep in, go boating, go fishing, go hiking, and uh, have a glass of wine here and there. And finally, Michelle, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? Oh, I would love that. So uh, LinkedIn, let's use LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a great one. So Michelle Mahaffey, um, I don't know the the exact link numbers and things like that, but I am the uh, EVP and CHRO at Community Health Network. And I think I'm the only Michelle Mahaffey with that connection. So happy to connect with you. Michelle, thank you for your rich insights. Here's my truth you can act on from our conversation today. Number one, separate health and engaged, different focuses and different initiatives to achieve successful outcomes, healthy workplaces versus engaged workplaces, two different things. Number two, Leaders have to model wellness behavior, like taking time off and really taking time off and adopting the assumption that everyone is doing their best. Number three, it's a great time to reevaluate job scopes. So with all of the changes and us being virtual, many of us and cramming things in, just it's a great time to reevaluate job scopes to make sure that we're setting our people up for success and they're not completely overloaded. So add that to your list. That's a really good one. Number four, keys to grow employee engagement are around communication, being regular and frequent, and figuring out the individual preferences of employees. And to make sure employees understand the mission and feel the mission and connect it to the work that they do every day. Really good foundational advice for employee engagement. 
There were like 12 other key takeaways, but I just went ahead and tried to narrow down to the biggies. So um, I hope you got a lot from this episode. Thank you so much, Michelle, and we'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.